0: Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast, I'm Dr. Kent.
1: And I'm Randy Baker. And on the Thought Leader Podcast, we talk to interesting guests who will challenge your thinking and create impact in the
0: world. Yeah, it's not often enough that we're thinking about thinking. On this conversation today, we talked with Tolu, Tolu Lopez Lawal, I'm sure I did terrible with his name, so we'll call him Tolu for the rest of the interview. Wonderful, inspiring, brilliant young man from Brooklyn, New York, son of immigrants, and uh, just an inspiration. Now Tolu has worked at, and is working at, tech companies
1: that you've all heard of. We won't give away the secrets now, but you'll have to listen to the
0: podcast to find out where he's working, and what he's doing. And he even drops his personal email at the end of this thing. So you, you better listen to the end. So without further ado, you're going to love this conversation. Really inspiring conversation with Tolu. Tolu, very nice to meet you. Um, really exciting to hear the sirens there. So it's, it's proof that you're actually in New York City. <laughs> that I am. Where, where are you calling from? Where are you uh, dialing? It's not dialing in. Where are you? Um, <laughs> what do we call this? Where are you connecting from?
2: We from, have yeah, from Prospect Liberal Gardens, Brooklyn, New York.
0: Mm, I love that area. Yeah. Long story short, who are you? So online, we see this nice guy in a tie. <laughs> we see all kinds of quotes and uh, an incredible resume, all these crazy things you've done. How would you describe yourself?
2: I I would say I'm someone still trying to find myself, but in the process of it, helping other people find themselves as well. Right now, a lot of that is being someone who's trying to educate other people, giving them the knowledge as I'm getting in real time so that they can make informed decisions. And a lot of that right now is to do with things like what job you want to do, what profession you want to go into what spiritual practices are good for you, what kind of decision you want to make in terms of your health, your finances. So I'd say yeah, someone who's constantly learning but also trying to share it as I'm getting it with other people so that they can share it back or I can learn through the process of sharing.
0: And right off the bat I've gotta ask you, because you told us that that you emigrated from Nigeria, yet you have essentially no accent. So what's <laughs> the story of that and and how is that process obviously Nigeria, the national language is English, but you have no accent, like you could just be from Brooklyn. So I'm curious.
2: <laughs> well, I am par- partially from Brooklyn. I think I can claim that now. I was born in Nigeria, but my family immigrated to United States when I was about seven years old. And since then, I've been living in Brooklyn. I moved a bit for college and have traveled a bit, but I would say I've lived in Brooklyn for so long that I would hope I have a bit of a Brooklyn accent, <laughs> accent as well. When I'm hanging out with people who speak Yoruba, so I just do speak Yoruba, then you hear the accent come out very thick and heavy. You may think you're talking to someone else, but I think in certain settings, the Brooklyn accent also plays a huge role in how I communicate.
1: So tell me about your journey from a you know, seven-year-old in Nigeria to uh, a tech guy living in Brooklyn. I mean, there's a lot of Water that went under those particular bridges. So, what was your experience?
2: It was. like mean, back, man, I think it was a great experience. In the moment, it was a, a rough experience for me, especially when I was seven and trying to get acclimated to being in the United States, you know, away from the food I enjoyed, the people I knew. It was. It was really tough, I would say, at the start. But thankfully, I did have some good, just teachers and mentors that were very much like stick it out in the end it'll be it'll be worth it and things would be better but in the beginning it was a bit tough thankfully the message i got at an early age was study and try to make friends and just kind of go through the process and see how it pans out and what that actually materialized to was in the beginning value education drastically so trying to be the best student in middle school and thankfully i was and then high school and then college and ultimately after that then branching out to the world but a huge portion first came from education and that's why I mentioned trying to teach other and learn from other people because education for me was a big was the big connector between where I was then and where I am now and education in many forms but a lot of it also just formal of school education and the process was just listening to people that were older and people that I saw as figures who had made the transition from being a bit more shy, a bit of a tougher time in school to having a bit more of a good time and being successful in their careers or whatever they were doing.
0: And to dive a little, to to kind of go into the edge a little more about the tech, because obviously now you've got Google on your resume, you've got Uber on your resume, you got Accenture, all these other fancy places, <laughs> um, and you're a man of color and incredible international diversity just by how you grew up. In Brooklyn, there's all kinds of diversity, which is, I I miss Brooklyn. I love Brooklyn. And you grew up in Nigeria, a completely different country, different food, different culture. What do you bring to those jobs and then also to your own work? Because you're a speaker in your own right and a storyteller and all that.
2: Yeah, I think the first thing I bring to those jobs is, one, an appreciation for the fact that there aren't as many people so I get to learn what other people may not get to learn. I get exposure to these companies and that gives me a sense of responsibility to try to share back. So for example, when I was at Uber, one of the things I did, and I'm sure some of my coworkers were, surpo- were surprised by this, but I actually brought in middle school kids on a regular basis to see what working at a tech company was like. When I was growing up, I didn't know what working at any company looked like. My parents were blue collar workers and their experience didn't necessarily show me what the world had to offer so try to do that for middle school kids i go into a lot of high schools now and talk about what working in tech is like so first thing i bring is just appreciation that i'm getting something a lot of people may not so there's a responsibility to share that with people who may not have the chance to be in the seat and then second is the opportunity to also try to make sure that there are more people in the seats so actually when i was at uber I served as a co-lead for Black at Uber, and now at Google, I serve as one of the co-leads for uh, the Black Google Network as well. So okay. I to make sure that people are informed of opportunities, they understand that it's, even though the, the acceptance rates may be low, there are people, human beings that are working these jobs, and with a little bit of understanding, a little bit of, of application of yourself, you could probably be in the seats just like everyone else.
0: And how do you? I'm sure I'm throwing all these questions at you, but do you do you feel a different experience being a Nigerian American versus someone who kind of comes from African American uh, origins and all that? Is there a difference at all, kind of in day to day, or is it is it just sort of moot?
2: I don't. I, I guess I don't know the experience of someone who's African American specifically because my experience has been mine alone but i would say growing up in brooklyn as i mentioned i did grow up mostly actually the middle school i went to was predominantly african americans and not necessarily people from a diaspora people coming from another country at least immediately and they definitely had some challenges that i didn't and i had some challenges that they didn't one of the things you mentioned was the accent when i got here very few people understood what i was saying because (laughs) i had such a thick accent and so it was a a a battle to try to communicate with other people. But on the reverse, I had parents who very much valued education because they felt we made the sacrifice to come to this country for you to get a good education. So that was emphasized very much at home. And I had friends who didn't have that at home where their value was just have a good time, don't get in trouble, but there wasn't an emphasis on what grades are you getting in your classroom. So I'd say I've seen it play out in, in ways where there are advantages and disadvantages. I'm thankful for, how my high story has played out, but I think I've seen, rather I've seen other people's story play out very differently. So it's, it's a plus and a minus, depends on how you're able to apply. And I'm grateful for how it's been able to play out for me.
1: So you've been in the tech industry. And I know one of your thought leadership areas is in relation to diversity within tech. So I'd like to explore that just a little bit along with what the business model is Keeps you involved in that area if, if there is a connection?
2: Certainly. I, as I mentioned, pretty passionate about getting more and more people into tech and can go into that for, for days and days. But in terms of the business model and that, how that's connected, a bit of it is one leveraging the resources of the company I'm part of. So I mentioned before, I was bringing middle schoolers into Uber. And because Uber, for example, has free lunch, and the kids can come in and they can eat and feel like, hey, I'm part of the company. There was sports and events they can do in the office, play a little bit of table tennis or shoot hoops. So a lot of that is covered by the fact that these companies do offer incentives for employees to be there. So that's been very helpful. But a lot of it also has been me willing to volunteer and just put in the time and effort, I guess, to sweat equity to make sure that there is a certain level of exposure. So I've been speaking at middle schools, high schools, even colleges without any compensation. I gave a keynote at a middle school a few days ago, and that was a tremendous experience for me. And for me, that experience of being able to share was was great enough. I'm with time trying to develop a, more of a business model that's sustainable because you can't put sweat, sweat equity into something forever. But I would say being in an environment where there are a lot of resources, meaning a lot of resources in tech, I've been able to so far keep the momentum going and reaching schools and reaching people who otherwise wouldn't be wouldn't have been reached. Where
0: did you get your charisma from? Your mom, your dad,
2: both. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I guess charisma is subjective, but I will say, just both my parents are actually preachers. They do oh, have okay. a church and they they preach. So I think a lot of people when I talk about my passion for public speaking, they assume it comes from my parents. It, it's I'm sure there's an influence there. I can't mm-hmm. deny that. But funny enough. I think for me, when I think back to it, where a lot of the passion comes from was this seemingly the time difficult time. I, in middle school, had finished as a valedictorian in my middle school, and I went up and gave a speech as a valedictorian, and it was the worst speech probably I've heard till date. It was just so bad. I got so nervous and flustered. I had my speech written out. I got so nervous I couldn't see the piece of paper, and I felt so embarrassed, and then the salutatorian went up after me and gave this phenomenal speech. I mean, our whole class was so excited about it. And I thought, man, I, that's attainable, right? I mean, I can do that. If, if Salutatorian can do that. So I think that charisma just came from, I, I guess, a sense of competition of seeing that you know someone else can do it and also feeling that I had something valuable to share. And I wanted to do whatever I can to get to a point where when I share it, that, people feel the impact of it. People feel like it's something that is going to add value to their lives.
1: So you've been at, Accenture, you've been at Uber Eats, you've been at Google, or you're currently at Google as a product manager. What's next for Tolu? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Public speaking is obviously something that you enjoy. Do you want to make a career out of sharing your knowledge with younger people?
2: Or what? what's next? Yeah, I think I am making a career out of sharing the knowledge with younger people. So far, I mentioned definitely looking to expand and do it more and more. I think career-wise specifically the Royal Google has given me an opportunity to learn how to build a business, how to service businesses. So there's there's still some things I, I want to learn and I'm not sure where I can learn best. So I'm always reaching out to people talking to mentors. So I'm not sure exactly what that would look like. I'm very open to opportunities, but I definitely want to be in a place where I am learning how to build a business, I am getting the chance to speak and develop as a speaker and I'm having an impact on the demographic that I care about. You know, people otherwise wouldn't have someone speaking to them who otherwise not have people sharing their information and knowledge with them. So quite honestly, I'm not sure there's a bunch of paths ahead of me, but I know what criteria I'm using to evaluate those opportunities as they come.
0: As kind of a, a last question, we, we like to keep it short and punchy working from within versus working outside of a big company? Like, you know, you have, because you were just talking about there are certain initiatives within companies and and you, you're you able to pull some of those strings or be involved in this and that. But then bringing in those middle school kids or doing the other work that you do going to schools, how much can you do within? How much can you do outside? Because this this is kind of where all of us have this opportunity, right? To make some change inside, outside. What What does that balance look
2: like? For me, I'm always trying to do as much as I can of both. I there have been times where I'm doing a lot more within, and other times I've been doing a lot more outside. I've found that they're usually a lot more, say, green space or white space. My show sure the right term is when I'm working outside. I've been to some schools, and thankfully now that things are, or rather, given that things are virtual, I've been to schools in a bunch of different countries, in middle schools and high schools, and I haven't had to, you know go through a lot of red tape to do that because I was working outside of institution. I didn't have to come back and say, can I do this? What's the, well, I just felt if the opportunity is there, the demand is there, I'm there. So, so far I've I've seen a lot more success just being hungry and going to the, yeah, institutions and offering my services. But there are also times where it's great to have a structure where as Google, for example, as one of the black Google NYC co-leads who've been able to do some programming that have been tremendous. So I'd say, for me, my focus has been a lot more outside because I, I like to avoid red tape and just go for things that may take a little bit more permission and, and, and uh, mobilization. But I realize the value I'm getting from within, and I want to keep getting that value so that I, as I develop, I can bring that value into the things that I'm doing outside the organization.
1: That's neat. It is neat. Now I'm going to ask the most difficult question. You, you, talk, <laughs> about, you talk about bringing value. How do you feel that you can monetize that value that you're bringing?
2: How do I feel I can monetize the value that I'm bringing? Yeah, that is a big question. That is a big question. So far, I have I think I've had a, what a startup approach of you just want to get critical mass and then you think about the business model. I I haven't focused too much on monetization because a lot of my drive comes from the impact that it's having. But as I mentioned, my I'm also aware that for you to be sustainable, you have to monetize. So I am seeking the advice of people who've done it before me and how they do it. But so far, I've just been pretty focused on just having a sizable impact and making sure that people see that value so that it's easier to monetize as the time comes.
0: Right. Who's got the ice cream truck? Yeah, somebody's got ice cream <laughs> Is that it's your not, ice cream truck?
2: That's, totally. that's my ice cream truck. That's a nice ice one. <laughs> ice cream truck in my neighborhood.
1: <laughs> so talking about ice cream, you need some money to buy ice cream. So monetizing, monetization and, and impact, in my opinion, two two sides of the same coin. You cannot have one without the other. So we very much encourage you to find a way to monetize. That way you'll be able to have much greater impact. And the greater the impact, the easier it becomes to monetize. So I agree. They're, they're so they are connected at the hip.
0: The way I see um, kind of the easiest path towards doing that, just kind of looking at everything and talking to you, is figuring out how to almost punch up your charisma online. Because I think... I'm not sure how much leeway you have with Google. You probably have some good leeway, but you can appear less corporate and tell a little more of your story, I think, a little bit freer, like not much, just that extra 20% freer and just be you. And I think it's going to be rewarded Mm. if uh, Randy's my he's he's my spirit animal when it comes to money. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's all about like, okay, yeah, how do I monetize this? Because then when you can monetize it, then all of a sudden you can impact more people because you can flood the money into good stuff. So,
1: yeah, great. Cool. One more question before we wrap up, we we get into the end. How can people find you and where can they find you?
2: Yeah, you can find me uh, several ways. I will share my email. It's the motivation at gmail.com. Quite a mouthful. But you can also go on my, my LinkedIn. Also, have a, a website, rightmotives.com. So, whichever way works on the website, my LinkedIn or my email, feel free to reach out.
0: And repeat that email again.
2: It's, <laughs> it's a word. You have to spell it out here, but it's <laughs> dot lewell dot motivation at gmail.com cool
0: so thank you so much for chatting with us it's been a real pleasure you're an inspiration so hopefully mm-hmm. you'll step even more into that uh, in the public light because I think um, yeah you, you shine pretty bright yes I look forward to
1: seeing more of you as you develop that thought leadership and put it out
0: there for other people to hear thank you now uh, go get the ice cream. <laughs> you can still run and catch it. <laughs> All right, take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Tolu Lope Lawal, uh, a real inspiration. It's been great, kind of just starting a conversation with him. That's the great thing about this show is we just dig into certain themes and topics, get the brain tickled. So we'd
1: love it if you would subscribe to this podcast. You can subscribe by clicking links somewhere around here or by finding us on any of the places where good podcasts are delivered. Or you can go to our website, thoughtpartnergroup.com. There's this tiny little button at the top that says self-assessment. And we'd love you to take the assessment. We'll read what you said and we'll give you a quick response.
0: That's it. We hope you have a good day, have a good life, and we'll see you the next time.